Welcome to Virgin Territories, a podcast by the CSPH. Each episode, we bring you new guests, new topics, and ask all the questions you're dying to know. Without further ado, please welcome your host, Viva Manfredo. Welcome back, everyone, to Virgin Territories, a podcast by the CSPH. I am your host, Vima Manfredo, with pronouns she and her, and today we're joined by Justin. So welcome, Justin. Um, you want to introduce yourself? Hey, so excited to be here. Uh, yeah, I'm Justin Hintz. I use she, her pronouns as well, and I am the chair of the board for the CSPH, and it is such an amazing position to be in. Um, But it also kind of culminates in a lot of the sex ed work I've been doing for many years. I'm a sexologist with a master's in human sexuality education. And I've been doing some sort of sex ed or another for the last 12 years. So that's a little bit about my sex ed life. And then in my day to day, I do digital strategy for progressive nonprofits. And I help fund women led startups as director of Women Who Tech. Awesome. And where can we find um, Women Who Tech and the other organizations? Do you have their websites or? Yeah, Women Who Tech. um, This is especially important if you are a startup founder, particularly a women-led startup founder, but we're currently doing a grants program uh, since it's the middle of a pandemic and we are awarding the grants virtually, but uh, that's at womenwhotech.com. And then you can find me on Twitter at Justin, J-U-S-T-Y-N, Ashley, A-S-H-L-E-Y. Yay. So today we're going to talk about dating. And it is a difficult topic around the global pandemic that's going on. Um, But maybe we can have a little bit of an idea on what people can do to keep up with their dating life or not feel as lonely if they are feeling that way or in best practices and all that. So how do you feel either in your personal life or in your field that COVID and the pandemic have changed how people date? Yeah, so I actually haven't dated in quite a few years, but I work with some clients uh, through sex coaching and they are in the middle of dating and, you know, dating is really uh, complicated when you when you aren't in the middle of a pandemic. <laughs> uh, so it makes it a lot more difficult during a global pandemic, right? Uh, so I have clients, I have friends that are all navigating the weird world of dating right now. And, and I know it's, it's going very differently for everybody. Um, a lot of it has to do with, I think, people's own mental health. And I think they're understanding of their self in relation to the pandemic and other people but it's it's a weird world for sure yeah and i i imagine the 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 risk assessment that everybody does has changed to uh when if i go back years when i was dating part of the risk assessment was am i going to a safe location a public location to meet a person for the first time Absolutely. and i'm did I leave a number with my best friend of whoever I'm going to see? So in case I get kidnapped, 
she knows where I am kind of thing. But then you have to add the problem, the, the addition issues of COVID. So what else do you think about in, the, in those circumstances? Yeah, there's so much more like, have you been tested? And where are we meeting? Is it outdoors? And you're right. It's, it's a little bit easier in some regards because uh, people are meeting outdoors more often. But I would also say to back it up a few steps, um, the meeting people process has changed totally. You can't just go into a bar, or go to a club and start chatting with a stranger, right? You don't get that first impression. You can't watch someone across the room. Uh, not nearly in the same ways that you could. So it's just completely different. I know that people are downloading dating apps who had deleted them months in advance and suddenly they were frantically downloading them again. Um, and it, it provides a really good in for people to start chatting again in a way that's safe and can be done from the comfort of their couch. Yeah, I, I guess I didn't think about that part, even though I met my current um, person, love interest, <laughs> using uh, apps. And I, it just didn't occur to me that, yeah, that one of the best ways to, to meet people right now is distance-wise, which is use the apps. Absolutely. And people who are, aren't younger, um, so with dating, I don't know if you've heard NPR's Dating While Gray, but um, it's, a, it's a good segment on what it's like to even date in general. This was before the pandemic, but what it was like to date while you're older. And so for people who are older and who have never used dating apps, that's a whole new territory to really begin to navigate because they can't, again, just go to an event or a gathering or a bar and meet somebody. So not only is this creating different pathways of dating for people who maybe have never used online dating before, but it's also giving people a little bit of an out that they didn't have before, I think. Um, so for people who are more introverted, it's uh, more acceptable to chat online for longer now, and you don't have to have that expectation of meeting in person, or uh, maybe that expectation has dissolved a little around having sex right when you meet for some people. Um, so a lot of things have really shifted. And a lot of what I've talked to people about is how just because it shifted doesn't mean dating has to stop. We just have to switch our brains around a little more to think about it a little differently. Because it is a little bit more like having conversations around boundaries sooner. Uh, I think often people think about that later in a relationship, but now it has to happen a little quicker. Like, how comfortable are you if I take my mask off and drink a beer while we're in the park? Or can we eat dinner together, but am I close enough? Do I need to move further away? And that negotiation of boundaries is coming sooner than ever. That's, that's very interesting because then people that are not used to having those conversations can start practicing them in things that seem more benign. There's a lot of uh, folks out there that are not very comfortable setting up those boundaries in, in other areas of their life. And if they have to start from the beginning, setting up boundaries uh, around COVID, then that was good practice, good um, training wheels for the rest of the relationships. So I would classify that as a little bit of a, of a plus. Yeah, I'd say it's definitely a win if I just think it's a little 
it's difficult for people to do because they're still figuring out how to do it, especially with strangers. Um, I mean, let alone their friends. People are still navigating how to talk to their friends about when they can hug them. Is it okay to hug someone with a mask on? And it's so many things that we just don't necessarily have the right answers to because it's different for everybody. And I, I actually was talking recently to someone and I'm curious how this is going to shift dialogues around people's um, disclosures on whether they have STIs or not. Um, and they're make, I wonder if it's going to make the conversation around it easier for people for whom it's difficult currently, um, because there is a conversation around disclosure happening with COVID. And so would it make it easier then to say, oh, so I have, I tested positive for COVID a couple weeks ago. Um, but I also wanted to let you know that I have herpes, right? Like what, what will that conversation look like and how might that shift as we progress through this, this era of disclosing our health status on a more regular basis? Like, what does that look like? Yeah, that, that's a good point. Um, having that conversation maybe an opener to have all these other conversations. I don't remember, at least 10 years ago, I don't remember anyone in the dating pool that I was swimming in really being open to have those conversations. And usually I was the one that would bring them up on like, hey, this was the last time that I was tested and I tested negative to all these things and I tested positive to this thing or this other thing. How about you? Um, so I wonder if that's going to stay within the dating communities at large or is it going to phase out once COVID goes away and you start going back to the traditional way of, of dating or are we going back to the traditional day, uh, way of dating? Yeah, I don't know. That's a great question. Um, I mean, you know me that I am a huge proponent of consent and transparency. And so I hope that it carries through to all of our conversations. Um, but I know that that it's hard for people. Having honest, transparent conversations aren't something that we're taught to do from a young age, or at least not to do in a way that feels comfortable and safe. Um, so I'm hoping that that COVID brings forth an ability for people to have more difficult conversations in advance. And I know now with people meeting online more often, at least during this period, um, it is easier to see something with a third screen, right? When you're saying it over text message or DM, it's easier to message someone something and not see the face of rejection quite literally. Yeah, that, that, that's true. Um, so how do you break that barrier of conversation when you're dealing with health issues or concerns or um, things about disclosure and setting up boundaries? Even doing online dating may be a little bit scary, but do you have any tips and tricks that we can use? I think your question about just online dating being scary or that comment about online dating being scary um, it is. Dating in general can be so scary. It can be really fun and exhilarating, but it, it has that edge, right? Of what if, what if um, I have to let this other person down? What if I get let down? What if I become heartbroken? What if it's a disaster or terrifying? There's so many questions and emotions that come into play, but 
that first step is that conversation. And I would recommend that people don't get stuck in the rut of just talking about the pandemic. (laughs) It's easy to be like, how are you? And that's a really loaded question right now, right? Not only the pandemic, but all of the police brutality and so much going on with elections and, oh my God, the hearings for Barrett, there's just thing after thing. And those are okay to talk about, but I feel like with how are you being a loaded question more than ever, it can, it can put people into a spiral about, well, I can't leave my house. I haven't been to work since March or I'm essential. So therefore I'm working. And let me tell you all about um, how often I have to wash my mask. (laughs) Um, So really, I think if you can write down even a couple bullet points of some of your favorite things or weird facts about you, things that will take your mind out of the current state of the world and bring you back to the core of who you are um, without a pandemic, right? What do you love to do? What's something weird about you? What's maybe even play some games over Zoom, play two truths and a lie to get to know somebody. And that's a great way to learn some facts about somebody and hopefully learn a little bit of their quirks too. Yeah. And bring some lividity because not everything can be doom and gloom. Then dating is not going to get very far if you're always doom and gloom. But to be, like you said, be honest, be true to yourself, be who you are. Absolutely. Don't, Don't hide that things might be hard. You don't have to do that. But if all the two of you can talk about is the pandemic, that's not the groundwork for a continuing relationship because it's going to end up feeling like a rut. Yeah. And talking about, um, you mentioned the difficult things that are happening in the world, but that also brings, those are topics that you do need to talk to your potential significant or future significant other to to make sure that you align on your core uh, values in terms of where do you stand in marriage, where do you stand uh, with respect to kids, with social issues, with where do you want to live for the next five, 10 years? How do you approach these questions when most of your conversations are probably going to be online? Uh, Well, I would say definitely have those like early fun conversations online and then hopefully find a place that you can meet in person, maybe a park or uh, maybe you both show up with takeout from the same place, but pick it up yourself so it feels safe and then have some of those bigger conversations. Uh, I do think, though, that that with COVID, it has accelerated these more um, these bigger life questions for people in relationships or early dating A friend of mine actually just started dating someone and by D3, they'd already discussed that they both wanted kids, that they were looking to have X size family um, and things that they really wanted in a long-term partner. And I think that's for a couple of reasons, right? A, it's difficult once you meet someone in person and become intimate with them to just date multiple people right now. Um, But also it really shows that you are setting your core values first. If someone's doesn't align with those, it's almost like, don't waste my time. (laughs) (laughs) I don't have time for this. I don't have an endless sea of people I can hook up with right now, or maybe I don't feel comfortable with that. Um, So it kind of puts everything on the table, right? Like 
if you end up meeting someone and you know you are looking for a long-term relationship, they are not into kids, it might not be the person you keep going on dates with right now. Right. And then you added in a little bit of more complications. If you're a person that is not a monogamous person, then how do you not navigate the dating world knowing that you are polyamorous and then you're trying to figure it out? How do you keep your, your COVID pod safe and at the same time continue your dating as you were before? That's such a good question and such a difficult one. Um, I think it's going to be different for every pod, right? It's really it's really setting those boundaries and negotiations and figuring out what that is for everyone in your relationship. Um, what I found is really helpful um, is to do regular check-ins, whether that's weekly or bi-weekly check-ins with everyone, depending on the structure of your relationship and being able to say like, all right, where are we? Like, do you feel comfortable with me going to a restaurant? Can I eat outside with this person without a mask on? Should we meet in a park? And then obviously it's going to progress beyond that for some people. And it's like, at what point do you feel comfortable with me becoming maybe fluid bonded and making out with this person? Or what? at what point do you feel comfortable with me having sex protected or not with this person? And I think it's going to be a lot of the same structure that existed in those conversations pre-COVID, uh, but with a twist, right? What, who's at risk? What do those risks look like? I have another friend who is in a poly relationship, hasn't seen one of their partners since, since the pandemic began, which is heartbreaking. Oh, that is so heartbreaking. Um, because their partner's roommate is extremely, extremely immune compromised. So that's just not an option. So they just have to FaceTime, they have to video chat and do all the things in between seeing each other to really keep that romance alive. And I know I mentioned it earlier, but it might just be something as simple as like ordering takeout from your favorite place and eating it on Zoom together or finding a really cool recipe and setting up your phones and cooking together from afar. <laughs> um, things that that we never thought we might have to do in our lifetime, but we do to keep our communities safe. Yeah, actually, that reminds me, I used to live in DC a couple of years ago, um, just before we met. Um, and one of the things that my husband and I did, because he stayed in Rhode Island, was exactly that. We will have cooking dinner dates where we would just be on a zoom call with each other and we cook the same thing and we kind of critique each other's techniques and cooking <laughs> um but we like share a bottle of wine which meant each of us drank a bottle of wine and we shared a meal via zoom because we couldn't afford to keep flying back and forth so that's that's a great way to connect with uh with your partners or with your future partner if you're still in the early stages of dating because it's it you're sharing something once you start cooking you start especially if you love to cook you start getting in your groove and and start sharing more about yourself like you said at the beginning of share your quirks and share your your personality traits that people will usually see 
in in life in life in in for real person but seeing a school video because you're occupying your mind in something else so you're not just staring at a computer yeah Vima you're speaking to my heart <laughs> I love to cook and so for me it reveals a lot about who I am as a person who the person is that I'm cooking with um whether it's a sexual romantic partner or otherwise and I just feel like it it is so intimate. Cooking reveals so much about culture and taste and desire. Um, even just watching how someone eats can be such an intimate moment or or a turnoff for people, depending on their preferences. <laughs> right, and it's it's really even though you're virtual, it's it's a communal. You're you're sharing a meal. It's a communal event, and that helps build and sustain those bonds that you create with other people in. We are social creatures, so we crave those bonds, even when we're introverted and we don't want to be around a lot of people. We still crave those those connections, and you can make it very in a, in a way that feels natural, even though it's through a screen. Yeah, I honestly think that that's one of the most difficult things for people who are upholding relationships over the internet. Um, is skin hunger and not having that touch fulfilled by another person because you can touch your own skin all day. You can masturbate, you can bring yourself pleasure, but it is never going to be the same feeling as another person's skin against your own. And skin hunger is so real. And it is something that has been extremely amplified since COVID. Um, and something that I tend to recommend to people is maybe wearing gloves. So you get a little bit of a different sensation on your body. If you can't have another person touch you, um, maybe even gloves with like some kind of texture on it. And then maybe putting lube and it still gives you a little bit of a different sensation or Mm -hmm. just kind of just engaging in sensation play in general. So whether that's with a Wartenberg wheel, which is one of those little wheels that has all the pokey things on it. Um, or blindfolds or silk or things that are going to give you and that stimulation that you're not getting otherwise. Yeah. And don't forget to engage your other senses. Um, buy your significant other's deodorant or perfume or favorite lotion. And that smell, if it's one, if it's a smell that they use very often, that smell will bring you back to those memories and combine with what you said, bringing all those different sensations and different smells that bring you back in memories can be a a really good way to connect back to what you are craving in a way that will hold you off until it is time to go and get the thing. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Did you say send them your perfume or cologne that you wear? Uh, Just the the brand. So for example, if um, I'm trying to remember the one that my husband uses, I think it's all spice, but if not, I'm sorry, um, but <laughs> let's say that he uses allspice. I could go and buy that same deodorant and, and just smell it. And it will remind me of him because it's what he uses. That's a great thing too, as a gift. You're right. To if So I wear a certain perfume and I could mail that to my long distance partner or my partner who's across town, who I'm not allowed to see, um, to remind, to remind them of me and to give me that, that scent and that olfactory stimulation. Yeah, because the the nose is one of the best memory joggers that we have. Um, our sense of smell 
brings us memories much quicker than any other of our senses. And we don't even think about that. This actually just reminded me of something I did in high school, and I have not actually thought of it since then. Um, but I traded pillowcases with my boyfriend in high school as a way to like feel intimate and sexy and close. And so you could even mail somebody your pillowcase if it got to that point in a relationship where it's something different. It's going to smell like you. Um, you could spritz it with your cologne. My mom was very upset when I drenched it in his cologne. My mom was like, open all the windows. The house smells terrible. <laughs> it is a high school boy cologne. It's awful. And you have literally drowned this pillowcase in it. <laughs> yep. But you were probably happy as a, uh, what's that saying? Happy as a worm? Um, I think it's a clam. <laughs> happy as a clam. <laughs> I was smitten. I was like, this is excellent. Yeah. Also, smitten is <laughs> <as> a worm. <laughs> there goes my translations in my head. <laughs> Lost uh, in translation. I love it. Yep. And, and I'll give one last um, dating at a distance tip. And this one I'm stealing from my sister. Um, so my family lives in Puerto Rico, which means they're very, very, very far away. And, and I've been away for 10 years now. One of the things that my sister did for my birthday two years ago was she signed up for an Uber Eats account, found out my address, and ordered me a cake for my birthday. Oh, that's a, such a great idea. It was so nice. And then she called me so I will answer the door because I, I'm living alone in D.C. and it's like um, I'm not answering the door for anyone. <laughs> So she had to spoil it like five minutes before it got there, but she ordered me a cake and then we had a Zoom call where she sang happy birthday to me and then I ate the whole cake. That's amazing. So that's another way of like... Also, you don't have to share your cake. <laughs> another pandemic perk we didn't think of. Yeah. Um, so... Those were great tips, but uh, going back to the topic that we were talking about, um, some of the other things that people have been thinking about in terms of dating is the guilt that you feel on whether or not to worry about dating during a pandemic. There is a pandemic and political turmoil. So there is the, the thought process of, I shouldn't be thinking about dating because there are so many things happening in the world versus I really want to date someone because I want to. And my heart tells me that I want to. And yeah, having that. There's, there's so much internalized internalization right now and a lot of guilt. And my answer to the people who are feeling that would be uh, twofold. One, there's always a lot going on in the world. It might not be happening at your doorstep, but there's always a lot going on in the world and your world still needs to happen while that's happening right my philosophy is do what you can if you can go to protests and you feel safe doing so if you can show up at rallies at the supreme court awesome if you want to text phone bank great if you need to eat a pint of ice cream on your couch and cry <laughs> that's also okay and dating is also in that same vein of taking care of yourself. It's finding that human connection and human connection is 
critical in this wild world. It's finding people who we feel like we can connect with and whether or not that dating portion of it works, if it doesn't end up being a romantic relationship, hopefully you've met a really great friend. And that's sort of how I like to pose dating, um, especially now is think about it as just meeting people. It's kind of a dating roulette situation. You're going to talk to some people and I like to think of it as setting aside the time that you need to make the connections that you need for your life. So that might not assuage anyone's guilt. Um, but I think on the second part, it goes back to that need for human connection. Um, and that's going to be true no matter what is going on in the world. Um, it's if what's going on in the world feels really painful, it's also important that you can find pleasure. And while yes, you can hopefully find pleasure in yourself. It feels different in another person sometimes. And I would say you you deserve to find that pleasure and to find a release and escape from the constant inundation, inundation of news and sickness and health and all of the things that are coming at us on the news constantly. It's finding that reprieve and knowing that you deserve to take some time for yourself, whatever that looks like. Right. And it, and it, it is recharging your own batteries. If you want to fight for all the things, you absolutely can. But at some point, you're going to run out of battery, which means you need to recharge. And part of that recharge could mean a human connection. It could also mean a, a lot of other things. Stay hydrated, eat your food, sleep the amount of time that you should be sleeping. Oh, so 100%. We absolutely need to take care of ourselves and find that because otherwise we need you in this fight in on this earth. And if you burn out, we don't get your brilliance. And... We want to see the brilliance. So take the time to step back. Take the time to recharge, like you said, Bima. Take the time to eat that pint of ice cream and watch a terrible episode of Gossip Girl, right? Like <laughs> that, that really trashy TV that feels kind of good sometimes because it takes you to a really stupid world that's not your own. Right. And maybe I, I... that's even something you do with another person, right? Maybe you're, Maybe you're just going to sit and watch terrible TV with somebody else for a while. And that's what feels good to you. And that's okay. Oh, yeah. And I highly recommend go watch children's shows lately. Um, because they're so, so innocent that yeah. they, they fill your brain with like, everything is good as long as we believe in friendship and and we know the world is not like that but it brings you back to that those simpler times when you were a child and that's what you thought I love that do you have a show that you a children's show that you would recommend I've been watching <laughs> Star Wars um the animated series of Star Wars since um so for I guess everybody to know on on the on the podcast uh I had surgery not that long ago so I was like couch ridden for a couple of days and I've been watching Star Wars The Clone Wars which is a PG rated Disney show for the past week and a half I love it and then to go to sleep we watch uh Secrets of the Zoo that is on National Geographic And it's really nice because they show you the animals and how they take care of them at the different zoos. I think they do like a 
South Florida Zoo or something like that and, and one in Australia. And you learn about how they take care of the animals and how do you take an x-ray of a penguin? These are I will absolutely watch that. I've actually been watching more animal shows than ever because my best friend during this pandemic is my 40-year-old next door neighbor. Uh, we hang out a bunch and <laughs> nice. we are, uh, what, so me and my partner are what we're calling monogabuddies with our neighbor next door and her two kids. Um, and we're all a pod. Um, so I've been hanging out a bunch with a four-year-old and I have learned so much. So I highly recommend those shows. They're n- where they're not sponsoring us, but they're still so <laughs> nice. <laughs> we promise. Uh, yeah. So going back to the impact that COVID has had on people's dating lives, uh, there's a, another impact that we kind of touched on for a little bit, uh, but that is people's sex drives. Mm-hmm. And I know... There has been two school schools of thought here where some people's drives have gone through the roof and others have just dwindled to a little smoldering flame and even less than that. Um, what has been your experience on with your friends and your clients? So I, I don't know if I mentioned this in the beginning, but I'm also a sexuality educator at Lotus Blooms, which is a sex positive boutique shop in Alexandria, Virginia. Uh, We sell sex toys, we sell lingerie, lots of goodies, Um, and people have been buying sex toys constantly since the beginning of this pandemic, Um, sex toys and lingerie, and it's been really empowering to see people come in. Someone came in the other day, and she bought a vibrator for herself and also a couple pieces of lingerie, something sexy, and then also some really kind of sexy, comfy loungewear, and she was like, you know what? It's been a really hard few months and I just need this for me. And it felt really great to hear her say that. Um, so there, you're right. There's definitely people whose sex drives um, or need for self-care through their bodies has increased drastically. But for sure, uh, for other people, it's declined so much. And I, I read a tweet the other day and someone said, is it just me or... Um, has anyone else not masturbated since the first debate? And that really resonated with me because I feel like I haven't been as turned on or my sex drive hasn't been as high as it typically is since this pandemic. And since all of this like ridiculous world is going on the way that it is right now. And that's also very valid. <laughs> I've talked to friends who um, whose sex drives have dropped drastically. And what I've suggested um, is a couple things. Uh, one, setting up scheduled date times with yourself. Um, so whether that's like a 15 or 30 minute slot that you put on your calendar, just like you put your morning meetings on your calendar, and you take that time to get out some lube or get in the bathtub, whatever you want to do, and touch yourself, touch your skin, masturbate, do something that feels good for your body and whatever that looks like for you and stick to it, right? Like don't, don't arrive on that 15 minute mark that has popped up on your calendar and hit snooze and never return to it. Uh, Because it's really important that we take the time for ourselves and our bodies. 
And the more that we're able to pleasure ourselves, the more endorphins that's going to release. So even if we don't feel like it, in the end, we often feel better. Or at least I know I do. Yeah. Um, so I would say that's one. Two, I think it can be really difficult with someone who has a live-in partner or partners. Um, and their sex drives are not aligned during this. Um, so I think communication is going to be incredibly important. Um, just where you're at, what's going on with your body, what you need. And sometimes what you need means that sex just looks different than it typically does. Maybe it means that instead of being penetrated, if that's something you usually do, you just want to use a vibrator or you just want to get your partner or partners off. You want to switch it up a little bit and that's okay too. Things are different and, you know, sexuality, it's so fluid and it's going to be impacted. Our sex drives are going to change on a day-to-day basis. And I think um, one of the most powerful things is realizing as a partner that you don't know someone's sex drive. I would just remind yourself constantly that you don't know the other person's desires, especially now, because it lets you learn what they want all all fresh and new on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. And how do you how do you start that conversation with your partner? I know there I've had a few friends that they've had a lot of trouble starting that conversation because it's new territory for them. They're not on their normal routine that includes sets on Saturdays. So now they're home all the time. Maybe the, the guys, like you said, they're different. And so now where do I start? Where How do I communicate this? I found that it works to have a sit down conversation, um, not spring it on somebody as they're running out the door in the morning if they still go into work, but instead carving the time out to have a serious conversation like you would for any other serious topic taking the time to say like, hey, this is really hard for me, but I want to tell you what's going on with my body. Um, And sometimes people have an extraordinary, extraordinarily difficult time verbalizing that. So it might mean that you write your partner a letter. Maybe it's handwritten, maybe it's an email, um, and it can always be followed up with a conversation. But if that's a way that feels most comfortable for you to get the conversation started, that's awesome. Yeah. And I, I find, I'm not sure if this is cultural, or it's just me, uh, but I find not having eye contact to start that conversation helps, at least for me, because I can pretend I'm talking to myself for a little bit before before we get warmed up and it's like, okay, now where the conversation is flowing, but getting that first sentence out, I'm like, and no one can see me but you on the video, but I'm like closing my eyes. I will talk about this as if I was talking out loud without looking at you not because I don't trust my partner but mostly because I still I'm still a shy person and it's difficult to start those kinds of conversations especially if I know they're going to be not difficult but uncharted territories Mm, I am so thrilled by the idea of conversational foreplay (laughs) uh but you're not you're right I think whether you're on a video call or in person, being able to take that space for yourself to have the conversation in a way that feels good is, is right. I feel like too often we categorize things as what you should or should not do. 
I would eliminate that from your vocabulary. It doesn't matter what you should do. Do what feels good as long as it's safe and consensual for everyone involved. (laughs) Um, But when it comes to a conversation, if you need to look away, not make eye contact, do it. The first time I came out to my mom, I literally made her turn around in the kitchen and face the stove. (laughs) I would not even let her look at me. Yeah. And it's it's just a comforting thing. And it's like having your blanket when you want to go to sleep. It's that kind of protecting yourself in a way that if you start thinking about it, it makes no sense. But at the time, it makes sense and it's perfect. And if it works for you, then go with that. And I would also say for all the partners out there listening, it's okay if your partner is doing something like that. It doesn't mean there's something wrong with you or that they don't trust you. Like you said, Vima, it's a really great way to provide that extra security blanket and comfort. And car, car rides are also a really awesome way to do that if it's someone that you are in a pod with because you have to look forward as the driver um, or it's recommended. Please don't look away while you're driving. Um, but it gives like the nice hum of the car, which is lulling and also the ability to have really difficult conversations in a setting that's not your home. And sometimes that feels really good too. So maybe while a car might not feel good because it might feel up too enclosing for some people, maybe go to a park, maybe change the scenery and that make, make it a little bit more comfortable when it's a difficult conversation. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Um, so you mentioned that you work uh, with Lotus Blooms, which is my favorite boutique store in Yay, the whole I do. world. I love it. Um, even though I don't live in BC anymore, but I still it's okay. It. You can order them. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> we ship. Um, so that makes me think about how COVID and the pandemic have changed the conversations around self pleasure and masturbation, and it have brought those conversations forward when. Before you didn't see a lot of conversations, and I'm, I'm mainly seeing it like on our social media, where there's a lot more talks about masturbation, whether or not they're doing it or, or not. But more open conversations around it. Have you felt the same? I think my uh, social networks are a little bit special and different than a lot of people's because I do see conversations around masturbation pretty frequently, pandemic or not. I would say, though, that more people are talking about it outside of social media who I haven't heard discuss it before. Um, Toward the beginning of the pandemic, I think it was in, um, I don't know, maybe April or later, but I hosted a workshop through the CSPH about masturbation. And it was such a perfect time to host it because it was the beginning of the pandemic People were stuck at home and I I got a lot of people who responded initially saying, well, masturbation, that seems pretty intuitive, but people really don't know (laughs) so many. It's not like we're taught how to touch ourselves or ways to use toys or the differences between lubes. And that's a whole other podcast in itself. But, um, but a lot of people showed up to that workshop virtually and Somebody tuned in and the person said, I just figured because they do something often doesn't mean I know everything about it. And I thought that was such a good point about masturbation because we do. We are like, okay, I do what I know. But with 
with the pandemic, I do think self-pleasure and masturbation have come forward more, especially as people aren't going out and hooking up with people at bars and, and maybe hookup culture is declining a little bit around, um, one night stands or things that maybe you would typically do, but don't feel as comfortable given COVID. Um, so I think people definitely have a way to better navigate their own bodies and the time to do it where they didn't previously. Yeah. Oh, and we hear your kitty. <laughs> you do hear my kitty. <laughs> uh, she is really upset. I didn't give her dinner 12 minutes ago. Of so course. <laughs> that's what that is. Of course. <laughs> um so in in terms of of self pleasure masturbation um yes it's it is important to to know yourself to think about that moment as you're recharging your your batteries and and making sure that you're getting the right dosage of endorphins in your brain because nothing else is giving us the endorphins we need to make sure those levels are getting up and that's one way of doing of thinking about it very mechanical way of thinking about it but at the same time it's not entirely hopefully it feels less mechanical when it's happening yeah but um doing that self-care is very important and doing that self-pleasure is part of that self-care um so is there any other recommendations that you have for folks in terms of how to navigate their their dating life if they're dating right now or if they're already partnered how to navigate their changes in their partnership due to the pandemic and due to the world turmoil as we call it now oh that's a big question Mima. <laughs> uh definitely open conversations getting creative i think that's that's going to be the most important figuring out what you and the people you're dating need to have fun and to still date like it's normal while it's absolutely not normal. So whether that's someone you've been dating and figuring out new ways to have fun with them, whether you're getting into board game tournaments or virtually visiting museums, or you end up going to a random beach and sitting there all day, right? It's going to be a little bit different than what it's looked like in the past. And I think the same is true for people that you're dating. Figuring out how to do this thing that you've done before, but doing it totally differently. And finding out how, figuring out how to bring in those elements of sameness that feel fun and exciting in a way that also feels safe for you. Absolutely. That's a, that's a great, um, tips and tricks for everybody um and one last thing i want to remind everyone is remember when you're flying and the flight attendant tells you put on your mask first before helping others take that approach make sure you're helping yourself first before helping others and that includes self-pleasure that includes advocating for yourself and being safe or as safe as you can be around everyone Absolutely. My last two takeaways are lube and bubble baths. I think those are two things that everyone could benefit from during this pandemic. At the same time or separately, however you want to do it. 
uh, some silicone lube if it's at the same time. Right. And together or separate. The, I don't know. Make this a choose your own adventure. <laughs> you can always use, and this is me getting very, very nerdy. Write down all the options that you can do and use a D20 dice and roll your own adventure. Very Dungeons and Dragons like. Yes. I did not know what you meant at first, but that is great. <laughs> I am very nerdy. I love um, it. Yes. So I think we're almost at the end of our time. So I'll let you plug in all the stuff that you work on one last time. And then we'll say goodbye. Um, I'll actually just throw it down into the comments and the description of this podcast so people don't have to listen to me for too long, too much longer. Um, but more than anything, check out the CFPH, support us, and uh, we're really excited that you're listening. Thanks for joining and put any questions you have in the comments. Well, thank you so much for joining us, and we'll see everyone next time on Virgin Territories. Virgin Territories is a podcast by the CSPH, a nonprofit organization dedicated to providing culturally inclusive, medically accurate, and pleasure-guided sexuality education, therapy, and professional training to adults. To learn more about the CSPH, please visit our website at thecsph.org. There, you can sign up for our newsletter, and if you enjoyed this podcast, please consider making a donation to support our work.